Welcome to the Solo 2.0 podcast, where two sisters, Jess and Rye, focused on health and hormone balance to help you step into that 2.0 version of you. Growing up, we heard all about hormones, sometimes more than we wanted, from our mom, who is a hormone health educator. As we got older, we rebelled and experienced our own health struggles and ups and downs. But today we have businesses helping people get in tune with their bodies, break free from restrictive eating and lifestyle habits, and learn how to balance their hormones naturally. So what can you expect from this podcast? Honest conversations and hot topics that should be more mainstream, like period health, cycle tracking, non-hormonal birth control, and our unique take on fad diets and trends that aren't always so supportive for women. Plus, interviews with health and wellness entrepreneurs making a big impact in the world. Ladies, it's time we align with our powers and redefine what healthy means to us. Let's get into it. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Solo 2.0 podcast. This is Ryan. I am the co-founder of Your Hormone Balance. And this episode features my sister, hormone health coach, Jess Sukin. But it'll just be me for this quick intro. I wanted to share some updates. We are really sorry that it's taken us a little extra time to release this next episode. Basically took a a week break. Uh, Jess and I were in... Europe recently, I guess it's been a couple weeks ago now that we that we got back. Um, maybe three weeks. Anyway, uh, we were spending some time with our family in England. Jess spent some uh, time in Paris, France, by herself. Had a little solo trip uh, before we saw our parents, and I went skydiving with uh, my fiance Thomas and had some some adventures in Switzerland and northern Italy. We did a little road trip. But then Jess and I met in Oxford, England, which is where our parents are living right now. And uh, we just had a little early birthday celebration for Jess. We got to spend a night in London and uh, went back to the neighborhood we grew up in. Uh, Jess and I were born in Islington, London, and uh, we had a really amazing experience there. We moved when I was about seven and Jess was 10 back to the States. And our parents are American, but they just had lived in Europe for 13 years, uh, had us over there and, and loved Europe. So anyway, we had quite an interesting upbringing there. And it was fun to just go back to to the area where our school was and go to a restaurant that my parents used to go and know the owners and just a really fun experience. Um, but just for those of you that don't know, we ended up moving to Idaho randomly, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is now apparently like a very popular resort town because the Kardashians go and Haley Bieber goes. But when we were there, it was not necessarily famous, but it's a beautiful resort town. It was just a little too small coming straight from the city center of London, very diverse, multicultural, liberal environment to Idaho. So we didn't last very long. We were only there for four years. And then we landed in Oregon, which is where my parents still live most of the year. And uh, we grew up... uh, in uh, Portland area, but a suburb, Westland. Uh, Jess and I went to middle school and high school there. We went to college at U of O. So that's kind of where is home for today. Anyway, I thought I'd mention that because we don't really talk about it a lot. So just for those of you that might be joining us and don't know our story very well, that's a little bit of the background. But anyway, we had a great time when I got home. You can hear a little bit. I immediately got sick. I knew I was going to get sick because a lady sitting next to me was coughing up a lung the entire time. And what do you do? It's like, I had a mask in my bag, but then I felt like that was rude. And I also was just like, screw it. I'm just going to get sick. Let's get this over with. And so immediately when I got home, that's exactly what happened. And now I've been sick for almost three weeks. 
I mean, not horribly sick that whole time, but it's just lingering and it's kind of like coming back and Thomas has had it on and off. Anyway, it's just a pain. I just want to feel my best, but anyway, we'll get through it. I've got ginger turmeric tea on repeat, just trying to kill this congestion, but that's kind of why we've been pretty backed up and, and Jess and my mom have been doing a bunch of podcast interviews. Uh, so that's actually going to be what we're sharing today is one of the interviews that they recently did, which we thought was so great that we had to share it. Um, but before I talk about today's episode, I wanted to just follow up on the giveaway that we promoted in a few episodes ago. Now, I believe, um, there was a mini episode that I just recorded where I shared, you know, some ideas around new content that we want to, uh, try out for the podcast, some new episode styles. And uh, we asked for your feedback via Instagram. We got some great answers. It was cool to hear everyone had a little bit of different taste, but it seemed like between everybody, all the different styles that we have episode styles that we explained, at least there someone liked every kind of episode style. So we're really thinking that we're, that we're going to just go ahead and, and pursue all four of these styles. And as a recap, um, that includes health coaching episodes with Jess, where she talks about hot topics that, you know, she sees come up a lot with her clients, things that would be really relatable and helpful sister chats with the two of us roundtable discussions about hormone health with our mom, Candace, as well as interviews with women who've overcome and challenging life circumstances that are often either misunderstood or considered kind of taboo and maybe hard to talk about. <clears throat> So for that final category, we are looking for more women who are willing to share stories of interesting, challenging, difficult life experiences they've they've grown through and and how they were able to do it. So if you've got anyone in mind you'd like to nominate, please don't DM us at solo 2.0 podcast or email us at solo 2.0 podcast at gmail.com. And this could really be anything from, and these are just ideas, but you know, substance abuse plastic surgery, disease, miscarriage, loss, grief, infidelity, divorce. They don't have to be super specific to health, but we want to really, you know, hear from someone who got through something and talk about how it impacts your health and also how to rise above it. We will still sprinkle in interviews with health and wellness experts. You know, we are still a health focused podcast. So if you know anyone amazing, let us know. And we've got some, some great guests lined up in the next few weeks we just had to wait out getting sick in our travels. And then we were excited to start recording again. Um, finally, I mentioned this giveaway for the new episode styles that we shared and we did pick a winner. It'll be Molly Meyer or mayor. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. We will DM you on Instagram so we can send your Ultima electrolyte goodies. And I did love what Molly wrote and I just wanted to share it. She said she would love more sister chats. I'm one of three sisters and I get so much value from the sister chats. Product finds, favorites, roundups, healthy wins, challenges, opportunities, what's inspiring and challenging you and topics to benefit your community. Those were some ideas she had for us. So we really appreciate that feedback and we will take that to heart. And we love the sister chats. So definitely plan on doing that. We will be alternating between the different episode styles and we are always open to feedback. Please, please reach out if you love something, if you don't love something and we will, you know, trial and error and we can make changes always. So definitely let us know. So to today's episode, as I mentioned, my mom and sister have been doing a lot of interviews together, which is really cool. 
that mother-daughter dynamic, and they both bring such unique ex- expertise to these these conversations. Um, having worked with so many women one-on-one, you know, my mom for decades and my sister for almost a decade and, um, you know, having so much experience in health and hormone balance. So today we're sharing the recent interview that they did with the morning Hava podcast, the morning hop on the morning Hava podcast with Elizabeth Joy Presta. And this episode is called your hormones from cycle syncing to menopause. And came out a few weeks ago. And this was such a good episode. We just wanted to share it. We wanted to encourage you to also check out the Morning Hobbit podcast where Liz gets real with industry experts, celebrities, and moms. She discusses in-depth topics like motherhood, pregnancy, childbirth, childbirth, and many other pressing women's issues. Now, final note, <clears throat> which we find hilarious, but also embarrassing before I let you into this episode. My mom, before recording this, somehow got confused. She knew that the host's name was Elizabeth, but then she suddenly got confused and thought that it was Hava because the podcast name is Morning Hava. So you'll hear her call her Hava a few times. And my sister was dying because she was on the interview at the same time and was texting my mom like her name is not so every time we hear it, we can't stop laughing, but we're also very sorry to Elizabeth for that slip up. And we hope that she will forgive us because total, total slip. Anyway, enjoy this fun interview with our mom, with my mom and sister, Jess Sukin and Candace Birch. All right, everyone. I'm excited for today's podcast. Uh, we have on Candace Birch back. She was on a couple years ago and we talked about hormones. And today she is joined by her daughter, Jess Sukan, and they work together um, about helping people through hormones. It's this whole thing that we really don't know tons about. I feel like a lot of people who are listening to the podcast, you have somewhat of a knowledge, but there's still so much more that you can dive into how they're affecting our health, how they're affecting our weight, how it's affecting our fertility. Um, Just our whole lives revolve around these existing hormones in our bodies. Um, And so today we're just going to dive into uh, all things hormones, and I'm really excited to learn and to hear from them. So thank you so much, ladies, for coming on the podcast. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah. So I'd love for you to tell us, first of all, working together, um, how did that start? And then um, what you guys do specifically to help uh, women with their hormones? Yeah, well, I'll let mom kind of talk about obviously her expertise and, and all of that. But we got started working together really serendipitously. Actually, I had been killing myself in this job that I hated. And, you know, the typical story of just total burnout and, you know, stress out of my mind. And I was developing debilitating migraine headaches and hormonal imbalances. I didn't have a regular period. It just completely went missing. Um, I was on hormonal birth control at the time and was just not feeling my best. Um, And so, you know, through kind of going through this crisis and channeling back what my mom had taught us growing up, she's always been a health educator and we're raised in a very healthy home, but you know, you rebel when you get older and it's like, I kind of threw those habits to the wayside and was dealing with my stress by 
going out and having bottomless mimosas on Saturdays and over-exercising with HIIT training classes and, you know, not taping, taking breaks to eat a meal, eating in front of a computer, drinking too much coffee, all that kind of stuff. And I kind of just went back to my roots and thought about what my, the advice my mom would give. And I, I went back to her and asked her for support and helping me transition off hormonal birth control and helping me rebalance my hormones. And so I really followed the protocol that we support our clients in. And I was able to bring back a natural cycle. I was able to reduce so many of my symptoms, just improve the way I felt. And I just felt like I had to help other women do the same thing. And simultaneously, I had also been a yo-yo dieter for 12 years. And through, you know, healing my hormones, I also got more in tune with, you know, foods that made me feel good, reintroduced carbohydrates that I had restricted. And I decided to go back to school to become a health coach at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And about the same time I was graduating from there, I my mom was kind of branching off from where she had worked as the director of education for ZRT, which is a hormone testing lab. And she branched off on her own to start her own consulting business because she really wanted to finally work one-on-one with women and not be just behind the scenes focused on education. And then my sister, who's a few years younger than me, she was working at a high-end catering company and new business development. So she came on to help with the business side and was able to get my mom on some really amazing podcasts and We just started growing the business that way. And then I sort of branched off and started my own coaching practice as well. But now we work as a family business. We offer hormone testing and consulting from the comfort of your home. So you can test your hormone levels in saliva, which is more accurate than standard blood testing, which we can get into if you want. And we provide support through custom rebalancing guides and education and consultation calls. So my mom and I both take calls with clients and you know, we do podcasts together. We, you know, we have a social media account. We do so many different things. We speak on panels at events. So it's really just a women-owned family business. And we've all had our own hormonal ups and downs. And really the work that we do, we're passionate about it because it's truly changed our lives. And yeah, I hope that kind of condensed it. It's hard to put it all into, you know, a couple minutes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everybody usually has like the, I feel like when you get into some sort of work where you just like really want to help people, you have your own journey that brought you there. Um, I find that with birth work a lot, like a lot of doulas. I know it's because of their own birth experience that made them want to be a doula um, and, and get into this space. So um, that's, that's amazing. Cause I mean, it's, you've been there, you've gone through it and you're like, okay, like I know so many other people trying to operate this way who are yo-yo yeah. dieting, who are living off coffee, who, you know, aren't doing rest and digest and who are just go, go, go. And we don't know how that impacts us because that's just how we live. That's our society. Um, and and I love this conversation for moms because that's how the moms listening to this podcast are functioning. It's like, my life is chaos. You don't understand. Like <laughs> I ate the crumbs yeah. off my kid's plate today. That was my lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you wonder why <laughs> you, you wonder why you're having, you know, I can mood swings and crashing and it's, it's all related. So we have to find some sort of way in there to help support ourselves, which in this season of life can be so, so difficult. Um, so I'd love to hear from you, Candice, a little bit about um, you starting your own practice and um and what brought you into all of this well haba thank you i um i have to say jesse is giving me this great credit you know about how i guided her and all of that but that was later after i had my own crisis of 
staying up all night and drinking coffee on an empty stomach and never knowing how to relax and, you know, hitting basically things got worse as I hit perimenopause, that transition that can be eight to 10 years before you get menopause, get to menopause. And in the meantime, this is where, you know, you get moms like I was a late mom, but this all reared its ugly head when as a mother of two young girls, Jesse was only like six and my Ryan was three and I started having the you know, the hallmark symptoms of hormone imbalance, which are so common <clears throat> at perimenopause, which kind of starts late 30s into our 40s when hormones start to fluctuate and, you know, ovulation becomes erratic. And that's when you notice your periods are changing and your moods are changing and you can't sleep and you're irritable as hell. And that's what was happening to me. I was having a hot flash every 20 minutes. And I like to say a mood swing in between. So this mom, this older mom was scaring her children. Yeah. And that's really was my impetus. I already had been, I am a health educator with a master's in the field and had been doing the work of preventing disease and educating people about health and maintaining their health and all of that. But I didn't know about this menopause thing. And it hit me like a ton of bricks between the eyes. And, you know, that's one of the issues with older moms that is very, very pertinent to, I think many women are having, you know, they're delaying childbirth. I know I wasn't ready until I had Jess. I was 37 years old. Mm -hmm. I was 41 when I had Ryan. So I was, you know, I remember symbolically Jesse got her period the day I turned 50. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that was kind of the classic thing. So, I mean, fast forward, mother made a lot of changes. I redirected my whole focus in health towards hormonal health. I actually talked, I wrote to um, Dr. John Lee, who wrote one of the seminal books, kind of the go-to Bible on what your doctor may not tell you about menopause. He also wrote one of the same title, what your doctor may not tell you about pre-menopause. And reading that, it was like the tears started coming because I realized this guy knows what we're going through. He, in fact, had gone over to England to study with Katerina Dalton, who was a British uh, physician who actually coined the term PMS. Hmm. She actually discovered it and put it on the map, defined it, it, first time definition in the British Medical Journal um, and identified 150 symptoms of of, uh, premenstrual syndrome. She herself, having been a migraine sufferer all her life, realized that, and this should be interesting to you as a doula, and I'm sure you've come across that, when she was pregnant, she never had a migraine. Hmm. So she started to look into what is going on with the hormones when we're pregnant and had the great revelation that, you know, we are swimming in a sea of hormones. That baby is is just... uh, happy is splashing around in a ton of progesterone and estrogen. And when you give birth, that goes out with the bathwater, you know, baby with the bathwater out goes all those good hormones. And that's another reason why many women have the baby blues or more serious uh, postpartum depression. So anyway, I addressed this, started getting into the work, working with one of the foremost experts in the field who had started a hormone testing company. It's now one of the largest hormone testing labs in the country. It's the lab that we use, ZRT. The owner was my mentor. He's a breast cancer researcher and hormone biochemist and 
So, you know, the rest is history. I got into that world for 12 plus years and learned from all the the kind of pioneers in the movement to get women moving towards hormonal balance. And if necessary, if there's any use of hormones, that they are plant-based and bioidentical. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's more than just replenishing with hormones, but that becomes very significant at a certain point in time. And um, all the Jess and I, you know, try to emphasize with dietary balance, stress balance, exercise, all adds up to hormonal balance and uh, and a mom who's in a good mood and not irritable and screaming at her kids and mm-hmm. who's sleeping and, and makes sense and doesn't have to throw up in the windows during the winter because she's having so many hot flashes. I'm <clears throat> pregnant right now with my third and this is the hottest I've ever been in my life. Thank you. Yeah. I With my first, I was pregnant through the summer and I did not experience heat this way. Like I do not know what's going on. I am like, my husband was like in blankets the other day and I'm just like sweating. I'm like, I can't even, I don't even feel like I can have clothes on me. Like I am just so hot. And I'm like, this is just like a glimpse into menopause. Like I remember my mom getting hot hot flashes growing up and she turned beet red. She's sweating. She's fanning herself. And I'm like, it's not that bad. I'm just like clammy all the time and sweaty, you know, (laughs) like, but I'm like, man, it's going to get there. And there's so many benefits. Um, I always wanted to be a young mom. I just, I didn't never found anybody in my twenties and um, both my sisters were really young moms and there's a lot of benefits to that as like your energy levels and things like that. But there's so many benefits to being an older mom too. Like you're wiser, you've been through more, you tend to be more patient. Um, So there's pros and cons to everything, but you don't think about that like, Oh, I'm going to be entering perimenopause, you know, when my kids are a young age. You get to be less patient. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a really, that's an important consideration for women who do want to have kids, but don't want to have them till the very last minute. You know, you have to take into account that's where consciously practicing hormonal balance in the earlier years. Yeah in the earlier phases of your reproductive years, understanding what Jess can elucidate the cycle sinking and getting into that because so many women, I mean, we talk to women all the time. We've talked to thousands of women. I would say the majority don't understand what hormones do. They don't, you, they don't know how hormones rule our, our emotional, mental, and physical life. We cannot survive without them. And, and it's, you know, the understanding was never, we were never taught this in school. We weren't taught this in high school or grammar school or college unless we took a physiology course. Right. And that's ridiculous. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, now we have a lot of information and we're doing our best to beat the drum and spread awareness. And there are some great educators out there besides us, of course. There's the Aviva Rams of the world, yeah. who I'm sure you know, yeah. who's a uh, started out as a doula and is an MD trained at, at Yale and is also a botanical medicine expert, medical expert, has written a whole encyclopedia. Um, you know, there are lots of people out there. The world has changed since I'm my description of what I was going through when I had little kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's important to touch on it, mom, but I am not a mom, so I can't speak to it yet. But I will say that, you know, there's the importance of 
taking care of your body and prepping and priming your fertility way before you're even ready to conceive, or even if you're not thinking about conceiving, because that's going to be better for your body in the long run. Anyway, if you, even if you don't have children, but you know, I hear a lot of people that are trying to conceive or that are pregnant or postpartum, they're like, what do I do now? And they're like reading all the books and researching and like frantically trying to like change their diet and change their movement and learn all these things. And it becomes so overwhelming where if you can just start a little bit sooner and take action and learn to get more in tune with your body, it's only going to benefit you regardless. But, you know, I think I had a friend on, I have a podcast Um, I had a friend on my podcast who's a big fitness influencer and she always gets asked like, what's your, like, what did you, how did you eat during pregnancy? What about afterwards? What workouts? And she's like, honestly, I laid the foundation years before, you know, I started to try. And so I really think that's why I bounced back so quickly afterwards and felt really good because she really prioritized her hormone balance. She really prioritized eating balanced meals and reducing stress. And obviously I know it's so different depending on different hormonal conditions and the female. So I'm not trying to overgeneralize, but I do think that it's really important to start those habits as soon as you can. Mm -hmm. And I also like, I like the saying too, because we're always learning so much. So it's like, take, take what you've learned now and like start applying it, but don't look back and like beat yourself up because, you know, there's a lot of people listening too that are like, in that stage where you're, you're frantically searching and it's like, well, I can't go back and like learn this stuff years before, but it's like, but we can start to apply this now. And then you're laying Mm -hmm. those foundations and then we're teaching our children. Um, because yeah, we, we really did grow up in a society that didn't teach us anything about balancing our hormones, about how the female body even works. Like, it's still yeah. like being discovered, <laughs> you know, like oh it's crazy. that's yeah, one of I the remember. really interesting things about this cycle syncing, which, um, you know, in mentioning all these great experts that are out there now, um, Alyssa Vitti coined yeah. the term, but she really uh, has opened up, uh, shed new light on the female. Um, what is the system called? The infradian system, which refers to the fact rhythm. that the infradian rhythms, we have a menstrual cycle. Why are women exercising like men? Right. When, you know, why are all the studies, you know, you say there's no information and there are also very few studies where, you know, we're struggling to get enough studies of women on hormones and the hormone usage because most studies have used men because women are a pain. You know, we get periods, we get pregnant. How can we use us as subjects, which is a significant failing in the medical approach to women's health and hormonal health and, you know, does us a disservice is really screams of gender bias in medicine. And that's the problem that we, we are all dealing with. So, you know, we're trying to change that equation one, one person at a time, but uh, when we're on podcasts, we can change it many people at a time who are listening. Right. Right. Totally. And like what happens when we put guys in those studies, like there was one done I feel like it was this one of the, the same year that the IUD came out or something. They studied, they did a small study of maybe they could do birth control for men. And some of the men started to feel mood changes and different. So they X'd it. And we're like, what do you think that hormonal birth control does for women? You know? Totally. Like, they can't handle it. Right. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's maddening. Um, and, you know, it's, 
I think that the education has to extend to the men in our lives too. I'm a huge fan of also encouraging the women to educate the men on their cycle phases and communicate how they're feeling. You know, my mood is kind of all over the place right now because I'm in the premenstrual phase and this is what's happening and here's how I need support. And especially, you know, as a new mom too, it's like, you're going to need even more support. So understanding what's going on with your hormones and then being able to effectively communicate that with your husband, with your family or, you know, whoever your kids. And I think that that is also something that is really empowering. I have several clients who have told me through learning about cycle syncing, they're now telling their little daughters about like, okay, you know, mommy's being a little snappy right now because she's in, you know, the week before her period. And that just means that things are changing a little bit, but you know, if you can have patience with me or, you know, help me around the house or whatever it is. And then I even spoke with someone recently who's training her little boy on understanding the different phases. And so he'll like bring her flowers or like put her feet up and things like that. And I think it's so cool that we can impart this wisdom on the younger generations, because maybe we didn't get the chance to learn when we were in school. And to your point earlier, yeah, we as women, no matter what phase and stage you're in, should never have to beat ourselves up about not knowing this stuff because it's not widely taught. And so even if you are in the throes of now, like you said, frantically, like, oh, what do I do? There's still so much that you can do to support yourself, but try not to get overwhelmed and know that it's just you know, one foot in front of the other, these small little tweaks and changes that you can make can add up and actually have a huge impact on your life. It doesn't have to be these like overnight overhauls, you know? Right. Well, and the overnight overhauls like don't last. I feel like when you try to change everything at once, then you go back instead of like implementing a small change and making that a habit. And then, okay, what else can we add in as a habit? Um, Instead of I have to completely change my entire diet, my entire lifestyle. It's like, that's, you, then you go back to the yo-yo dieting. It's it's back and forth yeah. besides like, okay, what's one thing I can do to support my hormone health right now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, brought yeah. on um, a hormonal doctor a couple years ago and he said the best thing that, you know, he was speaking to like husbands here. He's like, you can do for your wife is to reduce her stress to impact her hormones. The best thing that you can do is reduce her stress, take things off her plate and let her sleep. <laughs> he was like, and I was like, oh my gosh, can you repeat this? Like, <laughs> cause it is, it, it is really hard. Like in that, in this season of life in the way that our society even, I mean, all seasons, like I said, we're just like in a go, go, go society. And then when you become a mom, it just like, doesn't stop. You're expected to like continue to go, go, go while your hormones are changing and your body's doing different things and your mat- uh, metabolic needs are different and we don't make room for that in our lives. No, Especially actually, after childbirth too, the, you know, the loss of hormonal balance after delivery is so dramatic and ovulation doesn't return immediately. Periods don't return, especially if moms are breastfeeding. And, you know, there we have the problem of ovulation providing the production of progesterone that's right. really when we that's when we produce progesterone the ovaries make it upon ovulation when we're not ovulating we're really running on empty yeah um and so it can be a particularly difficult time post childbirth for women to understand what's going on and to have the kind of you know we're not sleeping we're up with the baby it's really it's really tough but that's another discussion about postpartum depression but it applies 
to, you know, the low progesterone that is so typical of the PMS that women suffer. And when we say, you know, trying to educate our husbands about the PMS, an educated husband should be going to handing his wife the progesterone and the vitamin B6. Yeah. Yeah. Here you go, honey. And and all the good things that we can do to, you know, to promote uh, normal hormone production and ovulation and all of that. So... (laughs) Yeah, there there is definitely a lot of information out there now. We're saying there isn't education, but I have to say, for those of you listening, get on Alyssa Vitti's website. She had PCOS. She cured herself. She's a she, you know, started the cycle syncing yeah. conversation, helping women get their periods back, become fertile, conscious conception. Excellent. Aviva Rahm, excellent book. Her latest book is Hormone Intelligence. Sarah Gottfried, The Hormone Cure. There are some great, uh, Dr. Lee, as I mentioned, his books on menopause and premenopause. These are all, this is this is your homework for your right. homework. Right, <laughs> yeah. Elisa Vitti is coming on the podcast in September, so I'm really excited to interview her. Oh, boy. Um, that's and then I put Aviva on my girl name list for this baby, and my husband was like, no. <laughs> That's how I learned about the cycle singing method was from Elisa Vitti and her book in the flow is incredible. Um, But I will say this is not a knock against her. I just think that in general, people can feel this way is like when you read a book that's really dense and it has a lot of information, especially you're learning about the four phases. You're also learning really specific nutrients and foods to incorporate during each one, how exercise can vary self-care. I've actually heard from a lot of clients that they feel really overwhelmed after sometimes reading these books and they're just like, oh no. So like what food is during which phase? And like, can I eat this one during that? And do I have to seed cycle? And then like, oh shoot, I did a HIIT training workout class and I wasn't supposed to, you know? And so then it can kind of, for some people add more stress and pressure. And especially people that come from like the all or nothing mentality or the yo-yo diet, like I did when I was first learning about it, it was like my old self wanted to go back to trying to do it quote unquote perfectly, yeah. you know? And then I felt like, Oh no, I'm, I'm failing at this and I don't want to do it. And then I realized, no, it's just a way of helping you get more in tune with your body, understand how your hormone hormones fluctuate throughout the course of a month, what's actually happening and validate these different feelings that you might be having. Why is it that you know, the week before your period, you're starving and you crave chocolate. Um, why is it that you just really don't feel like going for a long run? Like maybe you can do around ovulation. I think as women, we often beat ourselves up. Like, oh, why can't, why can't you do this run how you normally would? That's so frustrating. Or why are you so hungry? You know, we just try to ignore it and drink more water, you know? And I think that the cycle syncing method validates the way that we're feeling and helps us to understand ourselves better so that we can make adjustments to work with our body versus against it. And it doesn't have to be rigid and strict. And it doesn't have to be that you're only eating certain foods during certain phases. All of the foods that she talks about are beneficial during every single phase. It's just knowing that there's certain little tweaks and changes that you can make, especially when it comes to exercise and self-care that are really going to allow you to feel better to improve symptoms and to just feel more at home in your own body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what is, let's talk about cycle syncing a little bit. I mean, you just kind of touched on it now, like eating certain things, um, exercising certain ways. Like why is that important? 
Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, the cycle syncing method is essentially learning to live in alignment with the four phases of your menstrual cycle. So like my mom touched on, men operate off a 24-hour circadian clock. So their hormones do the exact same thing every 24 hours. Females, we have our infradian rhythm, which is going to depend on the number of days of our cycle. Anything between about 25, 26 days and 35-ish days is considered normal for a cycle length. Anything outside of that could be something to investigate. And that, you know, if you're experiencing hormonal symptoms and your cycle is really long or short, that's something to look into. Um, But essentially we have these four phases, the menstrual phase, which is when we're bleeding. I think that's the one that everyone is familiar with. And that's going to be about three to seven days, depending on the person. Then after your bleed ends, we move into the follicular phase. And that is going to be um, anywhere between about seven and 10 days, depending on the person as well. But the follicular phase is essentially when follicle stimulating hormone increases to help eggs mature in the ovaries and egg estrogen and testosterone start to rise during this phase. And then the ovulatory phase is about three to seven days or three to six days. And that's really the fertile phase. It's the only phase throughout the whole month that we can actually get pregnant, which is contrary to a lot of what we learned in school, which was making us great that we could get pregnant just by looking at a guy, Um, you know, any day of the week, any day of the month. Um, I was certainly afraid. And so, but there's really only this one phase and it's one day of ovulation, which is essentially when there's a peak in estrogen, which signals a surge in luteinizing hormone or LH, and that triggers ovulation within about 24 to 48 hours. An egg is released from the dominant follicle, which is essentially the winner of the race. And that goes into the fallopian tube where it can then become fertilized by sperm. There's one day of ovulation, and then there's up to five days that sperm can survive inside of us via this peak cervical fluid, which increases and gets more slippery and stretching, kind of like egg whites when we're at that peak fertility, and it increases from the estrogen surge. And so that's why, you know, if you aren't trying to conceive, you want to use protection for that ovulation phase. Um, And if you are, you want to know when the ovulation phase is because then you want to have sexy time, obviously, and protected. So it's important for both family planning and pregnancy prevention. Um, And then the luteal phase is after the egg has been released from the ovary, the remaining follicle that housed the egg transformed into this really cool temporary gland called the corpus luteum. And it's what produces progesterone. So the first half of our cycle is really run by estrogen. The second half is when progesterone takes over. And ovulation is the main event of the menstrual cycle. It's really the point of the menstrual cycle. And it's the queen bee. So we need to be ovulating regularly in order to be producing adequate levels of progesterone, which is the great balancer to estrogen. And the luteal phase is anywhere from about 10 to 14 days. I like to break it into early luteal and late luteal. And the late luteal phase encompasses the premenstrual week, which a lot of women dread, the PMS week. But if you experience a lot of PMS, you know, really tender breasts um, to the point where you can't hug someone. My mom always says fear of hugging. Um, When you have, you know, cystic acne, migraines, which is something that I've dealt with, um, feeling super bloated, having really intense cravings, you know, that's common, but it's not normal. And that's a sign that you're dealing with an underlying hormonal imbalance. But 
if you're more tired, if you have increase in hunger, if you're craving more sweets, uh, fuller breasts, you know, a little bit of bloating, that's all more normal. So it's just important to know the difference between normal and optimal. Yeah. And um, and to understand that you don't have to be dealing with this debilitating fatigue every month. And so essentially cycle syncing is learning how to align your nutrition, your workouts, your self-care practices, even your, you know, your social life and your work life with these four phases, with your fluctuating hormone levels to help meet you where you're at and improve symptoms, improve your chances of fertility, also serve as a form of non-hormonal birth control if you can incorporate, you know, the fertility awareness method into it. And it can really just make you feel like you are stepping into what I call the 2.0 version of yourself, that you're embracing your femininity, that you're getting more in tune with who you are, and that you're actually improving the way that you feel from the inside out. And it can be done in a really simplistic way. It doesn't have to feel so hard. And that's really what I want to help women with is just, I want to break it down so that it's not so complicated, right? feels like, I don't want it to feel like one more thing that we have to do or another stressor that we're adding to our plate. Mm -hmm. I want to ask Jesse a question because she talks, she does so much education on cycle syncing and she talks to women that are practicing cycle syncing and helps them through it. And I'm just curious if some women are beginning to feel like, wow, I don't have to be competing with my male counterparts in terms of how I exercise. I mean, is there some sense of relief? Like my body really is different and I don't have to pump iron, you know, to, to get oh my to gosh. Going to be fit. I mean, it must yeah. be a liberation. Yes. A huge one. And even just women as hard as they are on themselves, you know, like I have to go to this boot camp five times a week because if I don't, then I'm going to gain weight. And like, yeah. this is that I need to do to lose fat and I'm just going to keep going. And you know what? I dread every day that I go, but I just talk myself through it. And afterwards, you know, I feel really exhausted or whatever, but it helps them to, yeah, not compare themselves to their male counterparts, um, not compare themselves even to other females, because it's like the late, the girl next to you, that's crushing that hit training workout. She might be in her ovulatory phase where estrogen and testosterone are peaking and she's feeling great. Whereas you might be in the late luteal phase where your hormone levels it's are at the lowest yeah. point. And, you know, really this hit training is not going to be beneficial for you. In fact, it can derail the very progress that you're trying to make. And so it just, for all the clients that I work with, they just feel like finally I'm doing workouts and movement that actually aligns with how I feel mm-hmm. already. And mm-hmm. I'm not then beating myself up for it. I'm actually giving myself permission and I'm seeing better results and I'm feeling better as a result. But also combining that with just because your estrogen and testosterone are peaking at ovulation and technically you should have a lot more energy and it's a great time to increase, you know, cardio and hit training. You might actually not feel that way because you might be dealing with a hormonal imbalance that doesn't allow you to feel the way you should optimally at um, in during the ovulation phase. But also you might just be going through a life circumstance where even though maybe your hormones are in balance, like you just lost someone or you literally just had a child and you're freaking exhausted, you know, or you're just you've been traveling a lot, whatever it is. So it's like you have to combine the cycle syncing method recommendations with actually really tuning in with your body and giving yourself grace if things don't align, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good advice. 
Um, it's so interesting because, yeah, it, again, it just kind of goes back to like, we don't have this education. Like we weren't talked about this, but I love how you said like, you know, before your period, you might be a little more tired. You might have some different cravings. Um, and I think that we're also taught that we're supposed to feel the same all the time. Like I need to be this person, this energy, this whatever all the time. And it's like, no, our hormones are literally changing. Like we are three, four different people throughout the month because of yep. <laughs> what our hormones are doing, our met metabolic needs during that time, our energy levels, our stress, it's really is affecting us. And we don't understand that. So we're not nurturing that. And like you said, like getting that 2.0 version of yourself. I don't think I've ever really like fully been there. <laughs> um, but hard. I, right. Right. Um, but I mean, we, we're meant to feel different and that's okay. Like once we know how to use that to our advantage, then, then you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I was going to say the, when Jess was talking about this whole thing about how women, how we are notorious for pushing ourselves, you know, we're notorious for helping everybody um, and not giving ourselves enough time for self-care. And then when we work out, we tend to push ourselves because we've got the bloating or the belly fat and we hate it so much. And yet so many women are sabotaging, um, sabotaging their hormonal health by overtraining and working out too much, um, especially during the wrong part of the cycle, because that overtraining raises stress hormone levels. You know, when we talk about stress, we think of financial woes, divorce, right. death, moving across the country. But stress is also working out too much. That's a stressor, you know, six days a week of, of running or spinning or and not mixing it up with yoga, stretching, breathing, always doing high intensity. That's that's stress. And that will actually trigger the stress response in the body. I see a lot of people who are so worried about um, their cortisol levels being too high, and they usually are if they're overtraining. But after a while, the adrenal glands that produce cortisol and need progesterone to do it, by the way, so need that ovulation to occur, the adrenal glands can get really become, they can get to a point where they're underperforming and cortisol levels aren't high, they're actually low, they're actually crashing. So this is where you get people with imbalances of cortisol. We test cortisol levels four times in the same day, along with the estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and DHEA, because we need to track the pattern. There's a, a, a normal expected pattern of cortisol, which should be highest in the morning when you wake up. There's something called the cortisol awakening response. Yeah. Uh, and car and you should wake up with feeling rested, ready to go. How many women that I ask, do you feel rested when you wake up in the morning? No way do they feel rested. They're crawling out of bed. And yet when they go to bed at night, they're too tired and wired to sleep. Right. So totally. this, this can be identified through testing and it links back to all kinds of things like allergy, asthma, belly fat, bad moods, uh, getting sick often and not bouncing back. There, there are many, you know, sugar cravings, poor sleep, uh, and, and, and disruption of ovulation, which as Jess said, is the main event of our cycles, the main, you know, it's, it's all about reproduction. And if we're not ovulating, we're not only not conceiving, we're not even able to conceive and we're not able to create the right balance of hormones to keep ourselves feeling like we want to. And as you mentioned, yeah, we can feel like three or four different people. I've certainly had women 
describe themselves as Jekyll and Hyde mm-hmm. uh, premenstrually or during perimenopause. But, you know, I find when women get balanced, not only through maybe using hormones as needed, if hormone levels are shown up as quite low on a test report, um, but also through diet, stress management, self-care, you can start to feel pretty darn steady. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you can you can start to get to the point where, yeah, that guy cuts you off in traffic, but you're not going to start freaking out about it. Or, yeah, you're waiting in line, but you're not going to get horribly impatient. Yeah, you have an incredibly high performance job, but you love it and you can enjoy it without being stressed and burned out. We can get to that place. It's it's feasible. It's possible. And we, we do it all the time mm-hmm. with people we work with. Yeah, I wrote down stress as something to ask about because... I do think it is viewed as like, well, yeah, I'm stressed out because of this or that, but we don't really think about the stressors that we are putting on our body, such as not sleeping and um, not nourishing it and, um, you know, having a screen in front of our face and not, yeah, the blue light, the screens at late at night, that's disruption of melatonin. Um, also, you use the word nourishing. This is Jesse's bailiwick, nourishment. When women restrict their intake of proper proteins, mm-hmm. fats, fiber, and, and veg, they are doing themselves a real disturbance, a disservice. This is a real disturbance of ovulation. In fact, women that are very strict in you know, certain, well, you can talk to that, Jess, but they restricting good fats and protein in particular can really take uh, have a huge negative impact on your ability to ovulate and make hormones properly. So that yet right. is yet again another stressor. And that's right. when the body starts to hold on to fat. Mm-hmm. You know, here you are trying to lose it and the body's holding on to it because that's our fuel. You know, that that's fuel. And and yeah. so we will collect the body will store fat most happily in the abdomen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're coming from like 10, 15 years ago, every time I worked out with a trainer and I was put on a diet, it was, you're eating the same foods every single day and you're eating non-fat yogurt. You're, it's like all non-fat, you know, I feel like the only fat that was in my diet was like maybe from some fish, um, that was in there, but you're really not getting a lot. Um, and it tried to take the skin off the fish too. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And these right. are the building blocks. These are the building blocks of hormones. In fact, right. you know, hormones are called steroid steroids. The steroid as in derived from cholesterol. Cholesterol is actually the backbone hmm. of all hormones. If you look at the cascade, cholesterol is at the very top. So these, you know, fats got a ba- bad name during the low fat phase. And what did they do but replace everything with sugars and starches? Right. Right. And which is really more of a danger in terms of the abundance, uh, the abundant intake that so many people have with carbs. And that's a, that's a point of caution for vegans and plant-based people to make sure that their go-to doesn't become carbs. Yeah. uh, When it's difficult to put together a meal that has complete proteins, that's plant-based that that's a whole nother education. That's really important. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've heard that. I mean, I'd say in the more recent years, I'm following a lot more fertility accounts. And I mean, there's even research that shows like eating the nonfat diet is linked to fertility issues, um, like nonfat dairy and things like that. 
but even plant-based, like a lot of accounts that I follow, they're like, if you are struggling to conceive and you're like working through fertility and hormones, like you really have to consider how can I add animal products in? Because that's really where you're going to get some of the vital nutrients that you need to support your hormones to balance, to be able to do that. So, um, <laughs> I guess you can address some of the other good fats that don't necessarily have to be animal protein. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll let Elizabeth, you know, if you have a specific question, I don't want to just like interject, but no, yeah. that's fine. I'd love to hear that. Just as far as like other fats, you mean, or yeah. nutrition in general? I mean, either one. I mean, it's, it is hard because again, it's like a stressor, right? When we're not nourishing our body, we're not able to do that, but, um, you do have to take people's lifestyle and ethics into consideration too, when they're on this journey as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, from a nutrition standpoint, again, I think as women, we hold our, try to hold ourselves to the same standard day in and day out. And it's really not going to serve us and we're probably going to feel restricted. And so I think the most important thing is having the foundational habits in place. And I have a formula called the Sexy Six formula, which helps my clients to include six things at every meal to support optimal blood sugar balance, which is one of the keys to hormone balance, but also to ensure that they're getting the nutrients that they need to support ovulation and fertility to keep their energy levels up, their mood stable, to keep their brain feeling sharp. And so essentially it's protein, fats, nutrient-rich carbohydrates, fiber, um, you know, non-starchy vegetables and fruit, and then bliss boost, which is essentially just fresh herbs and seasonings that help give you more vitamins and minerals and enhance the flavor profile. But with protein, especially, I work with so many women who tell me that they are eating good a good amount of protein. And then I have them track their food and they're having on average, I would say, you know, 50% of what they actually need. Um, the recommendation through all the research I've done really should be about 0.7 to one gram of protein per pound of ideal body weight. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, I aim for closer to one gram per pound of body weight because I'm really active. I strength train. So you're going to be more on the higher level of the recommendations. If you're really active, if you're strength training, if you're breastfeeding, um, if you, you know, are older, the older that we get, the more protein that we need to help prevent again, against osteoporosis. So protein is essential and it contains when we choose protein, we want to go for proteins that have all nine essential amino acids to support our hormone production. You know, protein plays a huge role in thyroid production as well. And that's one thing I see a lot is women that are trying to lose weight. I actually work with majority moms. I would say like 95% are moms and most of them have more than two kids. And a lot of them are postpartum and they want to lose the weight. But what I see is um, wanting to lose the weight and doing a ton of cardio to try to lose the weight and also just like restricting carbs and just trying to reduce calories. Like they're just focused on like, you know, those kind of things. And if you're trying to lose weight and you're restricting your calories, but you're not keeping protein high, you're actually going to downregulate the thyroid, which then is going to slow down your metabolism. And you're going to start losing fat and muscle. 
And that's what slows down your metabolism. And that also doesn't give you the body composition that most people want. You want to be losing primarily fat, not fat and muscle, but it downregulates your hormones. And then you get to this place where you just maybe start having thyroid symptoms of, you know, thyroid deficiency. And that's really scary, especially if you're eating really low calories and low protein for a prolonged period of time, your body's going to start adjusting to that. And so protein is one of those things where it's like, if you are trying to lose weight, first of all, we need to figure out an amount of food that you can lose weight on. That's not going to be restrictive to the point where you're actually restricting key vitamins and minerals that you need for your hormones and for fertility, but that you can actually maintain that level of calories and that you're getting in enough protein so that you're losing primarily fat. And hopefully you're complementing that with some strength training so that you can hold on to that lean muscle and support healthy testosterone levels. Um, and so protein is just one of those things where I know we hear a lot about it in the bodybuilding communities, but we don't talk enough about it in the hormone space. I don't yeah. think we're just in the wellness space in general. There's so many reasons why we need protein, not to mention it's the most satiating macronutrient. So it keeps us fuller for longer and, you know, it supports the gut and the liver and the liver is what helps us to detoxify excess estrogen and toxins from the environment. So again, if you're plant-based or you're a vegetarian or whatever, you do you, but also understand that you have to prioritize protein and it is harder to get complete protein. So get a really high quality protein powder you know, have some organic tofu and tempeh in, in moderation, find ways to combine um, plant-based proteins to make them more complete, you know, get creative with like lentil pastas versus a regular pasta. So you're pairing those carbs with uh, protein and fiber. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's no judgment for how anybody chooses to eat and live their life because at the end of the day, it's your body, you get to do whatever you want, but having the information and the knowledge to figure out what's actually going to be optimal for your goals. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of times women, when they have decided that they want to have children and they do have children, it's like, they're willing to maybe change from plant-based to incorporating some animal protein because now they're taking into consideration their child. And that's awesome. But it also just goes back to showing how women like, don't always just put themselves first. You know, it's like, we're always doing things for other people. And so, you know, just thinking about, okay, if you really want to be vegan, that's completely fine. But how can you, you know, prioritize more proteins and balance out your carbohydrates with adequate amounts of um, fiber and fat so that you can better balance your blood sugar. So it's not about carb restriction at all. Carb restriction, carbs are very essential for yeah. oxygenation, for serotonin production to help with stable moods. And they shouldn't be restricted. It's just learning, okay, instead of having a naked carb, a carb by itself, let me pair it with some protein, with some fats, with some fiber to help better stabilize my blood sugar. And so that's really what the sexy six formula is about. It's not about restriction. It's about understanding these different macronutrients and the balance that's going to work best for you and how that might change based on the season of your life and where you are in your cycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I know it's crazy. Cause like growing up the diets that we heard, right. It's like no carbs, no fat, <laughs> these things that we right. need. And then we we're paying for the repercussions now. Like I know that I have some issues and I was put on hormonal birth control because my periods were really heavy, like at a young age. Um, 
I wasn't on it like super long, but um, it, you know, like a lot of us did get on hormonal birth control at a young age and we're not given the risks or the things that can affect you for years to come and trying to like balance out your hormones and figure things out. So, um, you know, and restrictive eating for years, cutting out carbs for years, cutting out fat for years. Those things are like catching up now. And we're like, wait, why, why am I experiencing all of these issues? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another common message I feel like I see out there a lot, especially in like the fitness and diet culture is like, if you've been under eating calories for years, then you've like completely messed up your metabolism. And then like, I understand what they're saying, but then people start to think, oh my gosh, I messed up my metabolism. It's irreversible. Like I'm just screwed. I have a low metabolism. I hear that all the time. I just have a slow metabolism, but it's like the body is a homeostasis machine. It really is just trying to maintain homeostasis. So your body will adapt down to those low calories and start to downregulate your hormones and your metabolism. But just as it adapts down, it can speed back up and it mm-hmm. can adapt back up and you can upregulate those hormones and you can balance things out. So don't ever have to feel like you screwed things up and it's your fault. And, you know, you know, there's this irreversible damage. No, not at all. There's absolutely things that you can do to get back in balance. And, you know, I think working with a coach like myself, working with, you know, someone like us that can help you get to the root of these imbalances and show you, okay, there are imbalances and you don't have to beat yourself up or, or feel like there's no hope because maybe you've worked with a doctor in the past that made you feel that way. It's actually really empowering because now you know what's going on and that there's these next steps that we can take to help you get back in balance and you can experience relief relatively quickly. Obviously, it's not going to happen overnight, but there's changes that you can see that happen pretty quick. And one of my favorite things is adding more protein into women's diets and gradually increasing their consumption of carbohydrates that they've restricted for years and adding breakfast back in if they've been intermittent fasting and helping them to pair their coffee in the morning with a meal instead of having it alone. There's these little things that honestly enhance their life. It's not like you're taking things away. They're like, oh my gosh, I have so much more energy for my workouts. I'm fuller for longer. I feel better. I'm not like dragging through the day, you know, and those are things that can, you can experience results within like the same week, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would like to just touch on before you wrap up, um, Candice, you had said something in the beginning about like maybe needing like bioidentical hormones and stuff like later in life. How is that different than just getting on? Like, I don't even know what hormones you need when you enter like perimenopause and menopause and stuff but let's say you need something how is a bioidentical one different from like maybe just what a doctor would give you to use okay i'm glad you asked that question it's an important answer so um first of all hormones should never be supplemented in any form without testing first Um, Of course, birth control is a whole nother story, and it's usually the default if you have acne or heavy periods, and really that those are signs of hormonal imbalance. So many, I think there's over 50% of women on birth control are um, on hormonal birth control are not using it for contraceptive purposes. Right. They're using it for other reasons. So um, 
birth control can shut down ovulation for many years. And I, I did want to man, uh, mention that in testing hormones and identifying those imbalances and getting people rebalanced, we can we are adding to the ability to get your period back, to get your ovulation back, to have a successful pregnancy and to prevent miscarriage because you know all we're talking about this lack of protein and all these different things disrupts ovulation if we don't ovulate we don't make progesterone we are in trouble in terms of conception and we're in trouble with risk for miscarriage many women who have a miscarriage are low in progesterone mm -hmm. because progesterone is the hormone that actually holds that embryo in place in the in the um you in the uterus and is extremely essential, especially in the first 12 weeks of the pregnancy until the, um, the placenta right. takes over. Mm -hmm. So, so if we see women who are, they don't have to just be in menopause, women in perimenopause, whose hormones start to fluctuate, who are not ovulating because of all these things we've been talking about, too much stress, too much exercise, not enough of the right proteins and complex carbs. Those women are often showing a low progesterone on the test result, a low ratio of progesterone relative to estrogen, which puts them in a state of estrogen dominance, where estrogen, whether it's high or normal, can still be in excess relative to progesterone. That, by the way, inhibits thyroid function too. So if we see that, then we are going to suggest to that person who wants to get her period back, who's gone off birth control and is desperate to get pregnant and take a successful pregnancy to its happy outcome, we will suggest natural progesterone, bioidentical. Um, we may suggest the herb Vitex. There are mm -hmm. different things that actually spur ovulation Um naturally. The thing is with women who've been on birth control for a long time, they sometimes need that boost of progesterone. And we suggest a bioidentical form that has Vitex in it. So you've got a, a, a wonder magic combination to bring everything back. It may take a few cycles. The important question you asked about the difference, bioidentical, think biologically identical to the hormones our own bodies make. So yes, mm -hmm. bioidentical hormones are made in a lab, but they are synthesized, number one, from plant proteins like soy or yam, wild yam or wild yucca, that sort of thing, as opposed to synthetic hormones that are usually derived from pregnant mare's urine and other synthetic substances, which do not fit on the receptor site of a cell in our human bodies. Women are not horses. Right. We don't need horse-derived estrogen or progesterone. We need hormones if we need to replenish based on test results that are made from plants that are synthesized to be exact in structure and function to the hormones our own bodies make. And that's important because hormones are all, they're carried in the bloodstream, a whole bunch of them. They're carried on blood, red blood cells by carrier proteins, but that makes them bound. They're inactive. There's always a two to four percent of them becoming unbound because you just went to the gym and you're lifting weights and your brain says, hey, she's lifting weights. She needs some testosterone to be hitting the target tissues. So the body will release that testosterone from the bloodstream. It'll go to the target tissues of the body where there are receptor sites. 
So if you think of a puzzle piece, when you put a puzzle piece into a puzzle, it fits perfectly, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And that's what bioidentical hormones do. They mimic exactly the endogenous or naturally occurring hormones that our own bodies make. So isn't that a better choice than using a synthetic hormone that is not does not fit the receptor site, that kind of jams open the door to the cell where hormones do their work and causes overstimulation and disruption of our natural hormone balance and can even shut down ovulation. So in the last 10 or so years, we have been moving towards bioidentical hormones, plant-derived that have been available in Europe for the last 30 years. Um, you know, the many of the European studies using bioidentical hormones are, are very persuasive about the better safety profile. I mean, who needs a synthetic derived from horse urine when we can get bioidentical um, matching hormones made from plants? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a better choice. So, and they're available. They're available with prescription and they're available without prescription because they are, for the most part, benign, especially when used appropriately at the right time of the cycle, um, et cetera. But, you know, the caveat is testing first. And yeah. when we talk not having hope, hope begins with awareness. Hope begins with awareness that symptoms like heavy, painful periods and sugar cravings and bad moods and all of this stuff that, you know, we're talking about here do not have to be your lot in life. Um, you know, we can, we can turn that around. And, and as you were talking about the abundance, we have an abundance of stress in our lives. Yeah. We're always trying to accomplish more. We need, I saw a quote the other day, we need to become more comfortable with accomplishing less. Mm -hmm. We need to be able to, you know, sequence things, do, do one thing at a time instead of constantly multitasking. But moms, hey, we, we, that's a challenge, but I think it's one that, that is definitely worth adapting if you don't want to be like me scaring my children. But of course, my scaring of my children ended up with them turning into hormone gurus. So yeah. that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's it was true. a good thing. Yeah, we were like, we don't ever want those mood swings where, you know, storm out of the restaurant and throw our napkins on the ground like our mom used to do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I banged my glass against the table and I think threw it on the ground or something. Much yeah. more <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of people listening could relate to that, though. Um, right. But before we wrap up, I would love for you to share how people work with you, where they can get into contact with you um, and where to follow you at. Yeah, definitely. Well, there's so much more to talk about. And so hopefully this has given you just a little teaser of what we love to dive into on our website. We have a blog. Uh, if you go to yourhormonebalance.com, you can read our blog posts. You can take our hormone symptom quiz to kind of gauge if maybe, you know, hormonal symptoms or hormonal imbalances at play based on, you know, your symptoms. So that's a great place to start. Um, we also are really active on Instagram at your hormone balance. I'm on body bliss by Jess. I talk a lot about cycle thinking and nutrition in a balanced way. Um, and then we also, I think, oh yeah. So we both have podcasts too. Solo 2.0 podcast. She has women talking frankly. And so these are all ways that you can connect with us. Um, we also wanted to provide a discount code if that's okay. For yeah, your of listeners. course. Okay, cool. So we can do the code HAVA50. Um, and so that's C-H-A-V-A 50, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. 
And that can be for $50 off any of our build your own test kit packages so that you can get your hormones tested in saliva and then customize the kind of support that you'd like from there. But every package comes with nutrition, exercise, lifestyle, and basic supplement recommendations to help move the needle to optimal balance and symptom improvement. And then from there, you can choose to add on additional things like custom guide or a session with myself to discuss next steps or with my mom to dive deeper into your results. And then, you know, lastly, if you're interested in custom one-on-one coaching, that's what I provide through a customized app. So I really work with people on diving into cycle thinking, um, helping them to lose weight in a sustainable way, understand optimal macro balance. If you're a busy mom, I have a ton of busy moms that I create meal plans for that they use for their whole family, um, hormone supportive workouts. Um, there's educational lessons. So if you're interested in that, you can go to bodyblissbyjess.net and apply for a free discovery call. But everything that we do is really holistic and, you know, we support each other and, and really our goal is to just help people just feel more empowered and at home in their own bodies and know that, you know, you can be feeling so much better than you already are. And even if you're feeling pretty good, you can always be feeling better. Mm -hmm. Well, I think some people don't realize how good they could be feeling or they've forgotten, they've forgotten how good they used to feel. And I just wanted to say something about my podcast, Men, um, Women Talking Frankly, is is co-hosted with a nurse practitioner who's been using uh, bioidentical hormones for her women patients for years. And we really are targeted and focused more on the older side of the equation. So those of us who are in solidly in menopause. And so for your listeners, if you've got moms that are are on still on synthetic HRT or having symptoms and you know having thyroid issues and complications of menopause send them our way have them listen to a women talking frankly podcast and get inspired to make some healthier changes yeah i will for sure um i do know some women in that season of life who could use that so um i will include all of those links in the show notes and i just want to thank you again like what you just said, Jess, like, I feel like there's so much more that we can dive into too. I mean, hormones are so complex. It affects so much of our lives. Things that we're doing are affecting our hormones. Um, and we're just kind of scratching the surface here. So, um, make sure that you include the links in the show notes that you find, follow them, listen to the information that they're putting out, um, and take advantage of that code to, um, build your own test kit and maybe see if that's something that is impacting your life. Cause, I think all of us do have <laughs> some of that, you know, like it's like you said too, Candace, just like, you know, we, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, we're all impacted by it at some point. Um, and we've all, we're just learning more about it, like getting more educated on it. And so the things that we've been doing over the years are impacting our hormones. Now they are impacting what we're going through. And so, um, there's always so much more that we could dive into and do. So I just want to thank you both so your, for your time and energy and expertise today. Thank you. Let's